quick disclaimer, I was going to initially drop this series starting on Wednesday, the 24th, but I actually am going to drop part one today on the 21st, part two on the 22nd, and part three on the 23rd, which is my brother's birthday. I want to share my story, his story, and my other brother Kay's story to the waves in this way. So I know what the podcast say. I recorded it, Um, but hey, people change their mind, right? And I'm just gonna be raw and transparent. I, I wanna get this out because I'm ready to be free and fly and take the time this week to really hone in where God is taking me. And I know sharing this story, whenever it is played to the whomever ears is supposed to hear, it's, it's going to be impactful. Um, no more wasting time. No more wasting time. So I pray that this touches you and that whomever is supposed to be um listening that you know that life will continue going no matter what. So don't wallow in your hurt. Push, get counseling, and don't waste any more time. Live, baby. Please live. Because whomever um, family member or loved one or lover or friend that you lost, they would want you to live too. Don't do what I did and just exist. Please live. Hey, 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 welcome to Learn From My F-Ups. This podcast is about all the ish I learned while in the food industry for the past 26 years. You'll hear the good, the bad, the funny, and lessons learned in business and personally. So if you are out there and you think you're the only one who's effed up, let me take that judgment from your mind. Oh yeah, I'm Trey by the way, Chef Trey J they call me. I've gone from fast food to grocery store supervisor to caterer to executive chef, from the everyday to the extravagant, solopreneur to commanding over 100 people, sports to healthcare. I've experienced much in this food industry and ready to help you be better than me. Grab a beer or a coffee and learn from my efforts starting now. Hey, 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 this is Chef Trey J, and I am going to let you know right now, this this episode is super emotional, 
and it may have triggers in it. So if talking about uh, murder, suicide, grief is a trigger for you, then go ahead and skip this episode. Um, This today's focus is about life after a family member is murdered and life after a family member commits suicide. Um, Today is the day after the anniversary of my brother's murder. And in three days from now, would have been his 37th birthday. So by the time this episode drop, um, it'll be the day after what would have been his 37th birthday. It is also um, this month would have been my god brother who is also my first cousin uh he would have been 40 this november 9th and unfortunately september 5th 2018 he took his life um so i lost two brothers i lost two brothers and it has impacted me so in so many ways but there are lessons and blessings in it believe it or not november 19th 2002 i had gotten off of a shift at Fullwell, I was working at, I was 23 years old and I was also in nursing school. My daughter was two years old. Uh, it was me, my mom, my brother, and my daughter living in our apartment. My brother was 17 and he had just started back going to Hoover High School. Unfortunately, at the end of the, at the beginning of the school year, Sean had to go to the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like the disciplinary portion of the school. For something that happened, he, slapped this boy in the face in school the like that may he slapped the boy because he kept picking with special need kids and my brother was a protector and special need kids were very special to him because in our family we had special need family members who are also no longer here. Um, And my brother was 
very, very sensitive when it came to children, very, very protective of children. He was just a protector, period. And he got it honest because his sister, me, am the same way. And so we have this thing where we protect those who may not be able to necessarily protect themselves. My brother was six feet, 240 pounds, handsome black man. He was funny and <laughs> a character. He definitely was a character. He had this innate ability to talk you into doing anything he wanted you to do. You could be cooking and he'll be like, hey, sissy, you'll make me a burger. And I'm like, boy, don't you see me making dirty rice? He like, exactly. You got ground beef. So go ahead and make me a burger, please. And I'm like, no. He like, please, sissy. And of course I do it. He and my mother were so freaking close. Um, My mom and my brother were the best of friends. Like, they were the mother-son thing you see where the son can get away with everything and the daughter can. That, that was my life. This boy drove before I did. And mind you, I'm five years and one month older than he is. I was born October 23rd. And when my mother was pregnant with my brother, she had to have a C-section. So that particular week that she was due was Thanksgiving week. And she decided since my birthday was October 23rd, she would have Sean November 23rd. And she cooked her entire Thanksgiving dinner before going to the hospital and having a C-section to have my little brother. There were so many elements of life where my brother, though he was younger than me, he was the consistent male in my life. My dad was in and out. Uh, he, we had our own set of issues and problems and my brother would always defend me. And there were incidents in life, maybe, maybe later on in this podcast world, I'll talk about them, but there were incidents that happened between me and my father that were physical and my brother, because he was uh, I think his position was like a, a linebacker. Is that what it is? He he was strong. He was strong even though he was smaller at this time in life. And my dad is a Marine. So my brother would defend me, protect me. And it's funny because my dad did not discipline my brother the same way he disciplined me. So... My brother was my best friend, my confidant. He 
<laughs> he took on a role as the man of the house at a very young age. He was a protector. I protected him. He protected me. We protected mom. Then we protected Kyra. He, his nickname for my daughter was Tank Tank, his little Tank Tank. His nickname for me was Sissy. And we just, we were just super close. So if you hear me say the name Derek at times, I interchange. I called my brother by his middle name a lot. His name was Sean Derek Joyner. Born November 23rd, 1984 in Jackson, Mississippi to Cynthia and Harold Joyner. He, he was just a ray of sunshine. He did not play though. Like you was not going to play him. You were not going to do any harm to anyone that is in his circle. He just, he was just that dude. He was that guy. When he was little, he used to get picked on a lot. He was a little thicker, a little chubbier or whatnot. And then around middle school, started playing football even more. He, he'd always played when he was younger. But, you know, when you get older, you start, your body start developing. So he started shooting up. And then by the time he hit ninth grade, things were really balancing out. By the time he hit 10th grade, all the girls looking at him a little different. Junior year, I'm like, I remember his junior year, I came home from school and this white girl was laying across his bed chilling and he was sitting in his chair and mind you we we lived in hoover alabama and at that time hoover was not like it is now when when i first got to hoover in 94 it was a sprinkle of black people here by 2000 and 2000 this was what 2000 when he was a junior so in 2000 it still wasn't a, enough but we were dealing with all type of racial issues um and this white girl just laying on his bed and and this is me just being honest very protective sister have you lost your damn mind if this girl say one thing off, you know, I was so pissed off. And I was like, if you don't get your ass up out this house, my brother's like, you don't even know this girl. We not kicking it like that. She's a good person. And here we are 21 years later and that young lady is still in our life. Shout out to Nikki. Um, but that's just protective. Protective is like I didn't want any, I didn't want anybody to put him in any position that was going to hurt or harm him. Just as with me, he didn't want anybody to put me in a position to hurt or harm me. I had a stalker at one point in life. I was 16 years old. Mind you, my brother's 11. Well, 10. He hadn't even turned. Yeah, 10 or 11. 
my his friends were 11 12 and 13 this guy was stalking me i was working in the mall and oh i would go to the mall and you know when you in high school your friends come over or whatever and they you y'all would go to the mall y'all would go hang out and this man was stalking me and my brother found out long story short the man came to my house I'm 16, he's like 27 years old. And he tried to grab me. And out of nowhere, my brother and his friends come with bats. <laughs> and, you know, they was about to beat the crap out the dude. And I'm like, I need you to like leave me alone. Told my mom, it was just a whole, it's, and it's so many stories, but he was a protector. So the young man that murdered him, this man had been in my house, has eaten my food, has been in my car. At one point in time, he and my brother were friends and they had there was an initial split between groups of friends. Long story short, when Sean got back to the school, to the actual high school after being in the detention school for the first semester uh, or the first quarter, I apologize, of the first quarter of the school year, the young man brought a knife to school and stabbed him in his heart. My brother bled out. And ironically, he fell in front of the special needs room, trying to get to the nurse. He had on a black shirt that morning. So initially when he's walking down the hall, he has blood spewing out of his shirt but you can't really see it. And from what someone told me, they could hear him saying over and over, I can't believe this nigga just stabbed me. I can't believe this nigga just stabbed me. And he falls. UAB tried to get, you know, the, the medic tried to get to him, but he stabbed him in his heart and he died. Well, let me tell you how close me and my brother were. My baby, we, I could have a headache. And because I used to work overnight, I couldn't function because my headaches were, were so bad. So he say, sis, transfer your headache to me and I'll sleep it off. And I could. That's how close we were. Or if he was in pain in certain parts of his body, I would tell him to transfer it to me. And I would either sleep it off or I would do something holistic to get rid of it. So the morning, the morning that he was murdered, my mom took him to school that morning. And she said she remember him getting out the car and he turned around and he was like, all right, my bye, I love you. 
She was like, I love you too. And she just drove and, you know, went off to work. Me and my mom, we were not on the best of terms during that time. And I was upset with her about something. She was upset at me. And so we we weren't really talking much. At 10.43, because I looked at my clock, I felt like I was having a heart attack. My chest was hurting. I woke up out of my sleep. My baby was beside me. She was taking her midday nap, uh, you know, mid-morning nap. And, and I mean, I felt like I was about to die at 10.43 a.m. And he, about maybe 10 minutes later, I get a phone call. No, one 10 minutes, 12 minutes. And the reason why these, these, these times are important is because this lets you know just how close we were and how significant things are. 12 minutes later, I get a, I get a phone call from my mom and I ignore it. I ignore the call. I get another call four minutes after that and I'm on alert and I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, whatever. I go to the bathroom. I come back and my phone rings again. The house, this back in the day when we had house phones. Phone rings again and it's one of Sean's friends who is like a little brother to me. He says, Trenice, something happened to Sean. They got the school on lockdown. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So the phone beeps. Um, you know, somebody's calling in. I was like, hold on, click over. And it's my mom. And she says, I need you to get to UAB. Something happened to your brother. I need you to get there. I'm on my way. And I click over and that person hung up, had already hung up the phone. And I hang up and I sit there and I breathe. And I take my time. I go take a shower. And I get my daughter dressed. And then I was like, I don't want my daughter at the hospital. Let me see if one of my mom's really good friends could watch Kyra for me. So as I'm getting her dressed, the phone rings again. And it's one of his homeboys calling me saying from what I hear Sean has been attacked and I said what the fuck you mean he been attacked and he says he tells me the name of the person and I'm like I know you lying like bruh so I was like I'm on my way to the hospital so I called Miss Pat, my mom's friend. I said, I said, Miss Pat, can you watch Kyra for me? Something has happened and I need to get to the 
I need to get to UAB hospital. And she says, yeah, baby, bring her, bring her to me. So mind you, Miss Pat is extremely light-skinned, a very light-skinned woman. And I'm, I get in my car and my car has no radio. So I'm playing a song in my mind, like, just like everything's going to be okay. God is in control. You know, I'm, I'm, thinking about gospel songs. So I'm singing them out loud. And at this time, like I used to sing y'all, like I used to sing, sing. I've been in a girl group. I've written songs. I've done all this kind of stuff. Right. So I'm just, I'm driving. So Miss Pat house is literally about eight to 10 minutes away from, from me. So I'll pull up to the to the to the main street to get to her neighborhood and i hear beeping behind me bah, 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 bah. and then i turn around and i look in the well i didn't turn around i look in the rearview mirror and it's miss pat behind me and i'm like how the hell she get huh so i pull over and she pulls over we on this main street okay she gets out and she's red, like face beat red, like she been crying. And I look at her and I say, don't you tell me my brother dead. Don't you tell. And I'm just screaming in the middle of the street with the door wide open, the, the car engine still on. I wasn't even sure if I put the car in park, and, but I just see her face and I'm like, don't you, don't you tell me my brother's dead. Don't you tell me my brother's dead. And she's like, baby, just park your car at my house. Put the, let's put the baby in my car and let me drive you to UAB. So I'm a nervous wreck. And I'm like, have you talked to my mama? She's like, yes, babe. I talked to your mama. Just let me take you to UAB. At this time, I was going to Sardis. Sardis is a, at that time, was a huge church. And we were very active in our church. Me and my brother, my mama, we were super, super active in our church. And our church family was everything to us. Shout out to her. Shout out to Sardis back in the day. Um, So we... I get to her house and I'm shaking and she's like, I got the baby. And I was like, well, I'll get the, you know, put the car seat in. She's like, no, I'll put the car seat in. Just come on. So she put the car seat in and Kyra just kicking a little feet. And I'm, I'm like, well, Miss Pat, do you know anything? And I tell her the two phone calls that I got. And she was like, well, baby, let's just get to the hospital. So then it's silent. The hospital's about 20 minutes away from where we live. I'm from her. So we 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 get to UAB. And I remember pulling up on 18th and 6th. And for years, for about 10 years, I would not go to that intersection. For we we get to the emergency like deck, and I start seeing like all my Sardis family. And then I see my aunt. My aunt, no, no, no. I see my my cousin, who is also my daughter's goddaughter. I mean, godmother. 
coming into the parking deck. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I was about to grab Kyra out the back seat and ain't Pat was like, I called her Ain't Pat too. So if you hear me say Miss Pat and Ain't Pat, she she was just, she was, this woman has known me since I was five. So um, she was like, no, I got the baby. Just get to the emergency room. I'm walking, but I I feel like I'm walking slow. And I, I see Deb. And then I start seeing, I saw my Sunday school teacher who was like an uncle to me. I saw, I saw my pastor. I saw, and I'm like, wow, these people, what's going on? And I walk into the emergency room. And I see two men holding my mama up. And all she said was, Trinice. And it was the way she said my name that I knew. I knew he was gone. And from that moment forward, Nobody, nobody could call me Trinice unless you knew me from that moment before. And I looked at her and I said, I just started saying no, 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 no. And I'm screaming. And let me tell y'all how well-trained I am. I wanted to cuss so bad. But because my mama was there, I did not curse. But I wanted to just cuss. And so an officer comes up to me and says, Ma'am, I need you to calm down. And I started going off. I was about to swing on the officer because I'm sitting there like, are you freaking kidding me? And my dad comes behind me and puts me in a chokehold to and, and gets me silent. Like he had to literally get the breath out of my body for me to calm down. And at that moment, it was like, he wasn't trying to hurt me, but he was trying to keep me from going to jail. Cause I, I really wasn't, she, he, he knew my temper and he knew I wanted to swing on the officer cause they're coming there telling me to calm down. Who the fuck are you? How you gonna tell me to calm down? You, you know? So I sat on the floor for a minute and then I remember Mr. Scott coming up to me that's my Sunday school teacher. And he says, he gone, baby. He gone. And my dad is saying it too. I didn't hear my dad's voice though. I heard Mr. Scott. They're both saying at the same time, he gone, baby, he gone. So, I, I just went into a, like, just like that. I went into calm mode. And I said, I need to see him.
Now, mind you, I'm not crying. I'm screaming. And I remember looking at my mom and the devastation. It was like all of her, it was like her spirit just had left her body. And I said, okay. And they take me to the back. And they have the um, the oxygen thing still on his mouth. And you could see where they had been working on him. And I pulled, <clears throat> I pulled the sheet back because they had like his chest covered. And I see where I could literally fit my fist in his chest. So I know they had been working on him. I know they had been working on him. And what, mind you, when I was in nursing school, I always wanted to work in the emergency room. It was either going to be the emergency room or working colonoscopies. And at that moment, I died. Every dream I had about medical becoming a nurse practitioner of to to do anything like that died because I was going to go I knew I was going to go to prison I knew that at that moment I was going to become a murderer too but God had another story for me he really did